have a great opening question. Do it. What are you looking at right now in your like environment that you're podcasting from? Like what are some of the scenes? Like pick a scene and describe it. Uh, but my scene is so melancholy and dreary. Do I have to share? Describe it. Uh, so there's this eerie orange glow Ooh. emanating from outside my home because very tragically, sadly, uh, the San Bernardino fires, um, the, the way the, the fallout and the smoke is traveling, it's sort of blanketing all of North Orange County where I am right now. And when you look outside, I mean, the sky looks orange when you, if you could see the sun through that, that ash cloud, it looks red. Um, It's just really, it's, 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 it feels apocalyptic almost when, when I look outside and, and I I think the reason why I keep looking outside is I'm, I keep hoping that, that something is going to like magically blow the ash cloud away that something's going to part the skies and we will see the blue again but sadly that has not been the case so um not the best view i'm, I'm hoping that the view in your space is a little better dark way to start the podcast my friend um important. <laughs> definitely like a moment in history um or unfortunately like multiple moments i suppose in california's history right now but um, definitely got the orange sky outside of Long Beach, but I was actually looking inside when I asked that question, and I've got a pretty funny, non-melancholic scene going on by my desk. Are you Do ready? share. Okay. So we have a lot of fans around our house, like small floor fans, because we don't have central air. And on these days that, I mean, unfortunately there are fires burning, but the temperature is a little bit cooler now than it has been like, you know, the last couple of weeks. So it's pretty cool outside. So we open all the windows. We have these fans going on to kind of circulate air around the house. I think we have like two or three. And Luno lays in front of the fans and just like passes out, happy as a clam. So he's laying in front of one of the fans by the door and his hair is being blown by the fan as he's sleeping, like a little shampoo commercial. He's seriously, I'm going to have to take a video and send it to you because it is out of hand how cute it is. That needs to be documented. It's pronto. so cute. He looks like he's from, like, seriously a TV commercial. Well, that is a great recovery from uh, from my opening. So thank you for saving. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, know that, I know that Luno's cuteness doesn't distract from the fact that so much of our state is in a state of emergency, but it's bringing me a lot of joy in this moment. Absolutely. And it brought me joy. So thank you. Yay. Well, you know what else is going to bring me joy? I think I do. Getting to have our guests on the podcast today. Who do we got first? We've got a couple of wonderful guests joining us. Uh, We got to talk to Mark Mosari, one of our new ninth grade math educators, advisors, and just really excited to get his perspective. He brings uh, a wealth and diversity of his background knowledge uh, to Odyssey, Um, and getting to hear him elaborate on that was just uh, super special. And I feel like I know him so much better now as an educator, um, having had that conversation. We've got Mark joining us, super exciting. And uh, we also got to talk with uh, Brother Holmes, or Strawn Holmes, who is Odyssey STEM Academy's new Dean of Students. Ooh. And similar to Mark, Strawn comes to us with a wealth of background experience um, as an educator. And I'm super grateful to have him on our team. And I think that... Um, you know, his, his vulnerability has always inspired me. And I really cherish like getting to chat with him and 
learn more about what he's thinking and how he views the school. I think getting to come in with that fresh perspective gives him uh, an eye on on things we're doing and, and things we can do better. And that desire to improve, like always, I think, inspires me. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just, I finished that conversation with them feeling so rejuvenated about the work that we do and and how that impacts uh, the young people at our school. They just, they, they, they spoke with such passion and determination about their work. And it was so great to hear their perspectives on all of that. Um, this afternoon. It's, it felt amazing. We got a good team. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Here was our conversation with Brother Holmes and Mark Sarr. All right. Well, let's welcome our guests uh, this first round. We've got so many people to talk to, so many people to get to, uh, but we want to do our part to introduce uh, both Mark and Brother Holmes to uh, both of you. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Definitely. Excited to Thank be here. Thank you as well. Yeah. So let's just kind of roll back here and, and get a bigger idea about who you are as educators, who you see yourselves as in the educational sphere. Uh, Mark, I want I want to start with you. Um, just give us give our audience a, a bit of a sense of what you were doing. Uh, before you found your way to Odyssey, what is your background in and, and, and what were you doing before you came here? Oh, wow. How much time do we have here, Sims? <laughs> you take as much time as you need. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, um, I, have you ever seen that movie, The Rookie with Dennis Quaid? Oh, a classic. I'm a big baseball yeah. guy. So I'm Jim Morris. I am the, you know, the elder rookie here. And I feel like I've lived like three lives, I would say. And um, originally my plan was to go maybe to law school. Um, I was really interested in politics and history. And we were talking a little bit before the show about my, my undergrad degree as a political science major with a history minor. Started working in politics a little bit um, and had always wanted to also teach. And so I didn't really know where all the pieces fit together, but I knew that teaching was a passion. And then, you know, working in politics led me to some uh, database type work that I did for a while. And got married and had kids and life, you know, just found a way uh, to borrow that phrase. But um, my wife just, you know, kept bringing it up and saying, you know, when are you going to, when are you going to do the teaching thing? And I said, well, you know, it's like two extra years of school and there's never a right time. And that's something that I really want to stress with my scholars is that you can put off everything forever using that mentality. And, you know, there's never a right time. There's never a right time. And finally, my wife just pushed me and said, you know what? This is the time. And so, yeah, it was a tough couple of years. But, you know, looking back now, oh, it's so worth it. I mean, this is like my dream job. Um, you know, I, I was teaching last year in Downey. Um, and I, I remember I was talking to a teacher and she had been teaching for, for a long time. And I said, isn't this just the greatest job in the world? And she thought I was joking. And I was, you know what I mean? Cause I'm so new to it all. It's like, the, it's so, I'm like, wow. Like everything is new and awesome. You know, the, the Lego movie, if you, if you have kids, everything's awesome. And you know, they didn't necessarily see my perspective on it because I think they were approaching it from a different part of their life. But uh, yeah, that's a pretty quick overview of me. Uh, finished my master's program, teaching credential at the same time. And uh, very passionate about math in, my real life as far as what it can do for you 
Uh, the power of being math literate can change your life for the better, can save you tons of money, uh, set you on a path to financial freedom. And all of that is something that I hope my scholars uh, find a love for through math. So that's that's me. I, I so very much respect your um, your description of that difference in perspective in terms of who has been teaching, how long they've been teaching and kind of how they see the profession. And to hear you describe that interaction is is very uh, realistic uh, for me. And I appreciate you for sharing it. Mark. Thank you. Um, I, I want to go over now to uh, Brother Holmes. Um, wh where do you come from in this educational world? Where, where were you and what were you doing uh, before you made your way to Odyssey? Man, uh, before I made my way to Odyssey, um, I was in the same school district for 18 years prior. Wow. Um, yeah, and then two years before that, I was in another school district. So I started my educational career in 1999 uh in baltimore and that was uh quite interesting you know i don't know if you guys have seen any uh, images of baltimore um unfortunately there are some uh great places in baltimore but some very negative images that are projected of baltimore um so i you know i worked in in, in baltimore county um definitely it was like a boot camp for me um you know and it was one of those years where it was like uh, had to decide either I want to do this or I don't. And, um, of course, uh, I made the decision to do. And um, that's when I moved out to Los Angeles. And uh, I actually got my first teaching job um, at Inglewood High School. So I taught in the Inglewood Unified School District for uh, two years um, as an English teacher. And uh, I then actually wanted to be an entrepreneur and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I actually have a couple side businesses. But at that point, I was like, am I going to pursue a full entrepreneurial uh, career or am I going to um, be comfortable in this, this job that I have? And so um, I went to Sentinella Valley Union High School District, where I actually came from, um, to come to Odyssey before I came to Odyssey. And uh, in Sentinella, I actually applied to be a sub because I said, you know, I'm going to pursue all of my business endeavors, um, but let me just have something to fall back on so I won't, you know, have uh, be suffering from a starving, starving artist syndrome or starving, starving uh, businessman syndrome, if there's such a thing. So I was like, I was like, man, let me just go ahead and, and, and stay at least connected to a district. And then, of course, um, you know, as I began subbing, um, the students, you know, started talking about Mr. Holmes and one of the uh, the administrator at the time, man, rest in peace, uh, Sonia Davis. She came to me and said, "Hey, uh, hey, Holmes, can I offer you a permanent uh, position?" And I didn't have a credential or anything. This is when you can get a, an emergency credential, uh, and so um, I asked for a couple of days to think about it and. You know, of course, I was a, a, a starving businessman at that point. So I was like, you know what? I'll sure I'll take the job. And uh, man, I never looked back. And so um, I taught at Lawndale High School for eight years. And then I voluntarily transferred to Losinger High School um, in 2009. And at that point, Losinger High School was the worst performing school in our district. Um, the, the, the assistant superintendent was he, he brought me into his office uh, of human resources. He brought me into his office and he said, hey, Holmes, uh, 
is everything okay at Lawndale? I was like, yeah, Bob, everything's good. He was like, man, I just got your uh, transfer request, and uh, I got to tell you, you're the first person ever to voluntarily transfer to losing a high school. Usually that's like a punishment, <laughs> <laughs> right? So I just, I told him, man, I said, I, you know, I, I want to reinvent myself as an educator. Um, you know, Lawndale was the top performing school in the district, you know, California Distinguished School, all these different accolades. And I felt like my job was done there. So um, I, I transferred to Losinger High School. And uh, that is where I've been for the last 10 years of my career. Um, three of those years I spent in the classroom. Um, and then I was an English department chair as well. And then seven of those years I spent as the dean. Uh, losing her and here I am at Odyssey I'm so very happy actually to be here I know that's probably a question down the road but just to just to close um, I'm just very very excited and happy to be at Odyssey because it's so totally different and um, just reflecting on what I just said about reinventing myself as an educator I feel like this is one of those moments um, you know because I'm officially starting my administration career and, uh, you know, we're not finished building out Odyssey yet. And so I'm just really, I feel really blessed and, and excited to uh, be able to be part of the process and be welcome. So thank you for having me again, you guys. Thank you so much for sharing. It's amazing how life has a way of sending us on ads we didn't necessarily see ourselves on. And we look back and we're like, oh, that makes so much more sense than it right. did so in that moment. Seems yeah. like all of us kind of have some element of that in our in our stories of of why we're here and kind of how we got here. So thank you both so much for for sharing. I want to jump us next into um, a two part question. Okay, so the first part of the question is pretty uh, simple, just three words, and then the second question is is a bit longer. And we're gonna volley back to you, Mark, to begin. I want to know in three words, explain what it was that attracted you to Odyssey upon your application. And then how did those three words like come through? What was it like in your first couple of days with those PD Zoom calls before school started? Like what were your hopes when you applied? And then how did that that factor into what you actually believed once we got started? Ah, uh, wow. Um, and I can only use three words? Well, you can only use three words for the first part of the question. Okay. And then you can okay. elaborate in the second part. Uh, Student-centered learning, I would say, if I have to choose three words. Um, and... You know, there's this show was a, a, a help for me in trying to understand Odyssey. I, I mentioned that to you as well before the show. But, you know, there's a lot out there written about Odyssey. There's some stuff on YouTube. Uh, there's the big picture, um, big picture learning side of it. But it didn't really fully form for me. It, I mean, it's still forming for me, obviously, as a new advisor. But the PD really was what hit home with me because it was like, Okay, the idea of student-centered, sure, I get that. You know, I know what those three words mean. Even though English, Brother Holmes, I know you're an English teacher, not my strongest subject. Uh, I know what student-centered learning means, but to see it and to actually engage in it as a student, you know, I think that the PD that we had was refreshing for me because, first of all, it modeled what extremely high-quality distance learning looks like. And so that outside of what we went over, just being able to see the mechanics of what very, very strong distance learning can be helped when we started for me to say, all right, you know what, 
you know, like when you're playing a game of basketball, if you play with somebody really well, who's really good, uh, you play really well. And so that was like a very good start for me. But then beyond that, the content uh, of that PD really helped to flesh out the ideas. Um, and, and still, like I said, I'm still learning uh, tons about it because it seems like something, it seems like something that I'm going to have to put a lot of, a lot of energy into to become a master of. Mark, thanks so much for sharing. I, I appreciate your honest reflections and, um, I know I kind of threw you a double whammy with that, that two part question, but, um, I feel like I got a sense of kind of how you're feeling about, about the start of school. So, so thank you. Brother Holmes, same question to you. In three words, what what pulled you to Odyssey? And then once you got here, what were some of your first impressions through PD? Well, um, the three words, opportunity came knocking. To be very honest, uh, I I was not looking. Um, I had not applied for any jobs outside of the district, outside of my district. Um, I, you know, with COVID happening, I literally thought that many districts wouldn't be hiring. Um, I knew that there were budget cuts, you know, and uh, I just logically was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm not going to start applying now. Although, um, you know, it's been on my radar to begin applying outside of the district. You know, I was just like trying to coach myself to uh, step outside of my com- comfort zone. You know, if you can imagine being somewhere uh, for 18 years, knowing the same people, you know, developing friendships and things of that nature. But I got a call, you know, from one of the uh, administrators in the district office who is a um, old friend and colleague of mine. And, you know, he said, Holmes, uh, you know, I'm just calling, man, I, uh, there may be an opportunity for you. And I think that um, you are the perfect fit for this particular situation. And he said, um, you know, there are some internal candidates that um, you know, some people are fond of and, you know, you just have to come in and, and impress. And, and so, um, when I say opportunity came knocking, uh, literally, um, I got the call three weeks before, uh, my interview and then I interviewed and then I got hired within, you know, uh, I want to say a week. So, uh, it just happened super quick. Um, so that's just the transparent version of, of how I, I got to, uh, Odyssey. Now, as far as like how I feel um, now that I'm here, oh man, I, like I said, I, I just always continue to count my blessings. I'm always put in the right, I feel like I'm always put in the right space uh, with the right people and, and that's how I feel. Um, I've never, honestly, in all of my years of educating, I've never felt like I've been part of such a collaborative group. And I know part of that collaboration is just us being charged with creating and starting a school. Um, you know, so it's it's totally necessary, opposed to a school that has already been in, in existence. You know, there's uh, older teachers there, there's younger teachers there. Um, you know, the, the systems are already in place. And so, it, you know, it it's a different uh, experience. Um, I should say. And so um, I love I love the uh, collaboration during the PD. I love the fact that the um, advisors are included in the creation of the programming, you know, like that to me creates ownership. And, you know, as a as a leader. Right. I feel like uh, our sole responsibility is to, you know, lift as we climb and, and create leaders as well. Right. And so the fact that we're able to during collaboration, you know, hear from um, all the advisors and 
everybody's giving their input as to how something should be. Um, man, I think that's priceless. Uh, and I can't, like I said, I've been to several schools. I've been on WASC visits to observe schools and I've never seen uh, such a group. And so I'm very, very excited to be part of, part of the group. Brother Holmes, your story reminds me that staff and scholar alike, we have these winding pathways that all mm -hmm. intersect at Odyssey uh, very fortuitously in many cases. And yes. uh, it's, it's so great to hear your perspective on that and, and to bring that into the fold because it's so valuable. Um, bo both Brother Holmes and Mark, I, I, I want to respect each of your time. We're so grateful uh, that you've joined us. But I do have one final question to ask. Um, and I, I do want to start back with Brother Holmes because your story kind of um, evoked this question. Um, you know, you're working with our scholars in a unique capacity as our school's academic dean. And I wanted to get your impressions um, on, on your work so far with the scholars. What has that been like? And, and how would you characterize those interactions so far early in the school year? Man, that's a good question. And, and just to be perfectly honest, man. Um, I haven't, and I'm frustrated by this, I haven't had um, many opportunities to interact with the students yet because um, of the learning curve that I'm riding right now. Uh, and so I find myself um, inundated with just trying to, um, you know, get up to speed on everything. And so that's, that has taken a lot of my time. But that's not to say I haven't interacted with any students I have. And those interactions have been awesome. Um, I, I just am thankful for um, the way that I've been received by students. You know, I'll, I'll pop into a classroom and, you know, I'll start getting um, like, uh, what, uh, chat um, notices or- Brother or, Holmes, you're being too modest. I have seen you go into a classroom and the classroom loses their mind. No, man, yes, no. Yes, really? the legend, no. I heard it, I heard it. After you left, That's they said the legend. Okay. Okay. Hey, so that see, that's good because here's the thing, guys. I, if I can come through like that virtually, man, imagine when we get back to school. I, that's that's like my forte, right? Like I can't wait to just be able to interact personally with the students. Um, you know, that's 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 like my thing. So um, I'm happy, man, that you guys have seen that. And and you know, it's, the question is interesting because. It's one of those questions when you think about it as an educator, right? Like we're never validated, right? Like what we do, it's, it's almost like parenting, right? Like parenting is a thankless job, <laughs> you know? Um, and and I, I, I like parallel um, educating students with parenting um, because it's like you never know if you're making the effect that you want to, um, if you're, you know, achieving the goals that you've set out to achieve, if you're um, affecting the students the way that you want to, like, you never know that. So it's, it's always good to hear, like, someone say, hey, man, when you left the class, they said this, this, and this, you know? So I appreciate that, man. But um, I've had some great, ex uh, just to answer your question full circle, I've had some great experiences so far with the students that I've interacted with. Um, I've, I had a chance yesterday to have a meeting with the students that we're using for our WASC visit. And that was a great conversation. So, you know, there were, there were like four students I got to meet, um, juniors, some of the founders. So that was cool. And uh, yeah, like I had um, a one-on-one -on -one with a guy that had some behavior issues last year. And, uh, you know, so we have a, a, a check-in, check-out 
um, that we're doing um, Mondays and Fridays. So that that's been received well. So yeah, man, it's it's been it's been great so far. I haven't really had any uh I haven't had any issues really. And it's it's so great to hear Mark coming in with that uh, perspective uh, because he's in a unique position too where. It's, it's this yep, weird yep. jumping in and jumping out of Zoom calls with distance learning that, that creates this unique relationship between the scholars and all of our staff, right? You're not just walking around on campus and bumping in to people, which I think, Brother Holmes, you captured in your response. Uh, but it's just you're, you're kind of you snap your fingers and suddenly you show up and you have that that sudden exposure to work with. And so. Um, I, I could totally understand the challenges, and I'm I'm with you. I, I'm really looking forward to the day we get to return to on-campus learning and, and seeing what more we can do uh, to that effect. So thank you for sharing. Um, I, I want to then go back to Mark here and, and ask you for your perspective in terms of working these Zoom calls regularly with scholars. What has that been like now that we've got a couple of weeks under our belt? You've been building relationships with with these scholars, uh, tell us a little bit about your thoughts around the first couple of weeks of school. I can I can totally relate to the idea of wanting to be back in person. And I mean, I've only been to campus once. I took all these pictures of it. I, I really miss being there, even though I was only there that one time. But at the same time, I can tell that we are doing amazing things on Zoom with these with these scholars. You know, uh, they are building connections with each other. You know, I'll talk to my scholars and I'll say, hey, uh, we, we were asking a pop-out question that Gail shared and then we used it this morning in our morning uh, meeting. I shared it with my scholars and said, who makes you laugh? And one of the scholars said, oh, these two other scholars make me laugh all the time because we play games together now. And I was like, how did you guys do that? And they said, well, we met each other in this class and we started playing games together and we know each other. And so, you know, I think of like the social and emotional needs of these scholars They've been at home just like us for months and school has started again and they're able to make these connections with each other and from the safety of their home. That's so awesome to see, you know, for me as an educator and 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 for someone new to to teaching as well to see that that can still happen on Zoom. Yes, we're teaching them math and we're also teaching them how to work in groups and everything that comes with being a ninth grader, you know, how, what is Odyssey and how do we assess and Hey, how does the schedule work and what is advisory? Um, but really it's those connections. And like brother Holmes is saying, if it's zoom or it's in person, if it's authentic, I think the connection is going to show up. And so, um, I'm just, I'm just really excited about the year and you know, it's easy to get negative about things that haven't maybe gone perfect, but I always tell my scholars like, Hey, if we were in school, Something, you know, like I've seen, and I've only taught one other year, I've seen the beginning of a school year in person be a mess. And Zoom doesn't mean, you know, or or not Zooming doesn't mean that everything will be perfect. Um, And so trying to keep them focused on all of the positives that we have in this opportunity, I think that's been one of the bright spots for me because it's paying off. You know, they're connecting with me. I'm learning from them. They're learning from each other. And it's this beautiful, it's odyssey, you know, it, it, it is. So um, I'm just so happy to be here as well. And like you had said, and all of us were kind of dancing around, something put us all together in this time and this place. And I'm so glad it happened. You know, I, and it's so, it's so refreshing to hear both you, Mark, and Brother Holmes talk to 
to this effect. You know, Courtney and I have been talking so excitedly these past few days about our new colleagues and, and, and who all uh, it is to work with. And I think the power uh, of, of sharing this moment uh, with our wider audience is that they get to see um, what great hands our scholars are in uh, as we continue to forge ahead into this new school year, this distance learning that we are still adapting to each and every day. But but knowing that we have uh, two educators, uh, such as Mark and Brother Holmes, on board with us, I, I think the future is looking incredibly bright. So to both of you gentlemen, thank you so much for, for joining us and for, for sharing uh, your thoughts and your perspectives on Odyssey. It means the world. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It's so nice to get to hear your... Um... I mean, nice is maybe the wrong word. It's like inspiring to hear your perspective uh, on our work together. And, and I really, uh, I appreciate you both so deeply for giving your whole selves to this um, moment in time that we find ourselves in together. So um, it'll drive me to be more successful too. Uh, yep, totally. All love, all love. Don't, don't hesitate to, to bring me back as a guest. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna work that. All right, guys. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Simmons. Thank you, Courtney. You guys are great. Thank you.